This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Nyla Boodoo, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. It's Tuesday, October 5th. Today, Facebook shares are down 15% from an all-time high on September 7th. That's the biggest drop since the beginning of the pandemic. And yesterday, Facebook's global outage may have prevented 54 billion Facebook messages from being sent and 3.75 billion fewer calling minutes on WhatsApp. That's according to marketing firm ABCD Agency. Of course, this outage comes after whistleblower Francis Haugen appeared on 60 Minutes for the first time on Sunday and testified before lawmakers in Congress today. After this, Axios' Sarah Fisher on how we got to this moment. And we're joined now by Axios' media reporter, Sarah Fisher, who's been reporting on Facebook. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Nyla. Sarah, first off, let's just start with Facebook stock, which took a dive over all of those things that I just mentioned. What's going on there? Yeah, Nyla, so Facebook stock hit a record high of $382 for its share price in early September, September 7th. But ever since, it's been on this sort of slow, steady decline. But Facebook stock took a dive Monday in response to a whistleblower interview with CBS, as well as a worldwide outage across its main app, Facebook, as well as Instagram and WhatsApp. And it's problematic, Nyla, because Facebook stock doesn't normally tank like this unless there's some sort of major business news like They announce that they're going to face big headwinds next quarter, or there's a start of a new rule that makes it harder for them to target users like GDPR in 2018. It doesn't normally slide in response to sort of scandals and leaks the way it has with this whistleblower situation. It's hard, I think, not to jump to conclusions about yesterday's outage being related to the whistleblower news, is it? I don't think so. I think that the last thing Facebook wants is another crisis on top of a crisis. And I think that they've experienced outages in the past. You know, there's a lot of different networks that support Facebook apps around the world. So I don't think they're related, but I do think the timing is terrible for Facebook. Sarah, there were also a lot of jokes about this on networks that were up like Twitter. But in all seriousness, what was the scale of the fallout from the outage? Who's been affected? Well, the users are affected, of course. Millions of businesses and merchants that rely on Facebook to sell goods and to communicate to customers are definitely being impacted by this for sure. And then I think the last thing is that the company, the employees, the people internally are impacted by this because it's a distraction. The day before they're having an executive get hauled in front of Capitol Hill, the day after a whistleblower revealed themselves, this is just the last thing that the company needs right now. Can we turn to that whistleblower news, Sarah? What, to your mind, are the most important findings from that interview with 60 Minutes over the weekend? There were two things that the whistleblower, a woman named Frances Haugen, revealed that I thought were really important. The first is that she said her lawyers filed eight complaints with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And that is really important because it suggests that she's going to law enforcement officials to try to crack down on what she's found through these documents. The second thing that was revealed is that she found studies that Facebook commissioned internally that said that the platform only takes action on 3 to 5% of hate speech in some scenarios. 
Well, that's problematic because Facebook has put out publicly facing data that suggests that the prevalence of hate speech on its platform is really low, less than 1%. So you can see why this would create a discrepancy. She says that the docs that she found suggest that it's not taking as much action on hate speech as you would expect. Also, documents she leaked suggested Facebook knew the impact of Instagram on the mental health of teens and teen girls and didn't do much about it. Now, Facebook has recently said that they have 40,000 people working in safety and security to manage this. But the question becomes, Nyla, if you have that many people, why are these problems, according to your own internal studies, still so bad? I think that's something lawmakers are going to want to get to the bottom of. What is Facebook saying about all of this? Facebook is kind of repeating the same talking points, which is that it's investing in safety and security. It's also been saying that, look, we're not the only people that impact, you know, mental health on teens. Magazines do the same thing. And they're also trying to say, look, we are living in a world in which our business model holds us to account. Advertisers don't want to be next to misinformation and hate speech. And so that incentive alone is enough to ensure that we want to do the right thing. Do regulators agree with that? I don't think regulators believe them. They think that Facebook is constantly putting profits over public safety. And that's why they keep bringing them in for hearings every time documents or new data points or there's a new scandal that's released is they don't necessarily think that Facebook is doing the right thing. Even if Facebook says it's putting all of these efforts and tools and resources towards tackling these problems, lawmakers still don't think it's enough. Sarah, you and I have had this conversation, I feel like, multiple times over the past year. It feels like we have the same conversation when it comes to Facebook and regulators and being hauled before Congress. Are we expecting any real change? I think lawmakers are starting to realize that they need to move on certain laws and provisions faster than they probably are prepared to do. Privacy is a huge one. You know, we've been expecting a national privacy law for years now, but I think now that we're continuing to have some of these discussions around kids' privacy and data, that's something I think that will become a bigger priority once Congress is done getting through all these other things like infrastructure and debt ceiling, et cetera. I think another priority for Congress is definitely going to be trying to figure out how Facebook and other social media apps impact the health and the well-being of citizens that use them. Expect more testimonies and hearings to come about on that topic. But Nyla, I got to say, I'm pretty bearish on lawmakers getting their act together and passing a whole bunch of laws. They keep doing hearings, but the hearings, they're unprepared. Of course, Senator Blumenthal made a lot of news last week when he asked what Facebook is going to do to shut down Finsta. Of course, that's not something that's necessarily in Facebook's control. And they also seem too partisan right now to really get together and pass anything, let alone a tech bill. So while I know that it's something that they care about, I don't think they care about it enough to take meaningful action. And Sarah, what about Facebook's point that the marketplace will vote on how it judges Facebook and the marketplace regulates Facebook? Are we seeing that apart from the stock price? That's a tough one. So the marketplace regulating Facebook means that advertisers should hold Facebook to a certain standard in order to place their ads against Facebook content. The problem, Nyla, is that Facebook has gotten so big for so long that it's really hard to say that advertisers have another meaningful choice that they can put their ads around. This is the argument that people have for breaking Facebook up, that even if advertisers want to hold Facebook accountable, they have no choice but to leverage Facebook as a marketing platform because its scale just makes the ads so efficient and so cheap. There is actually an FTC antitrust lawsuit against Facebook, right? Yes. And Facebook is, you know, filing complaints against it and pushing back against it. I think the problem for Facebook is going to be that no matter how much they try to push 
against these lawsuits, no matter how much they try to deflect from them, they're pretty strong. I mean, you have for the FTC one specifically, not just the Federal Trade Commission that's filing this, but 48 states attorneys general that are also getting behind this. I mean, that is a huge heft that Facebook is going to have to try to combat. Sarah, given the last 72 hours, what are you watching for? What are you thinking about next when it comes to Facebook? I'm looking at its share price. If it continues to go down, you know, Facebook's earnings are a few weeks away. You can look at it two ways. One is that investors are sort of building in some of the headwinds that Facebook has alluded to earlier this quarter into the stock ahead of earnings. Or the other could be that this whistleblower scandal and the outage today, among other things, is just continuing to weigh heavily on the stock. And I want to see how low it can go. Then the other thing I'm going to be watching for is where is Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg? To date, we have not seen them come out and talk about this at all. It's all been Nick Clegg, their VP of policy, and Antigone Davis, their head of safety. They haven't had the two top dogs come out and address this whatsoever. I want to know at what point are they forced to come out and talk about it. Sarah Fisher is the author of the weekly Axios Media Trends newsletter and Axios's media reporter. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Nyla. Welcome back. We're watching another story today. Latinas in the U.S. are more likely to own or plan to open a business than non-Hispanic women. Axios and Telemundo Noticias' Marina Franco brings us behind the numbers on recent polling on Latina business owners amid the pandemic. And you can hear lots more about that tomorrow on our morning podcast, Axios Today. And we're done. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we're back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.